Welcome to another episode of the Houdat Jedi Podcast. This is episode 123. Oh my goodness. And we are the Houdat Jedi Council. Dave, Fredo, how you guys doing? Doing well. Doing good. And uh, doing good. let's see here. So Dave went on vacation and uh, Brittany and I took care of Lucy, their German Shepherd, and she was awesome here. And... Um, uh, my two older dogs are getting a little annoyed by the younger dog who's trying to play with them like she played with Lucy. She misses her, her play because Lucy would put oh. up with it. Lucy would put up with it better than Luna and, and Ellie. Um, yeah. But uh, And then, Fredo, you've been driving all over oh. or flying and everywhere all over heck and gone. You've been to basically the entire <laughs> southeast, haven't you? Yeah, I went to Florida for a conference, then came back, and then drove to Texas for Fourth of July to see uh, some family with some family. The Alfredo so, yeah, Narvaez World Tour, right? <laughs> At least the Southern Tour, the Southern Tour, Northern <laughs> Tour coming later. Yeah, um, and uh, of course Fourth of July. It was uh, actually uh, far fewer booms this year on the Fourth of July than. Uh, than in previous years, which is nice because uh, one of my dogs gets really ticked off at fireworks. Um, I used to, man, I mean, that used to be my thing until we moved to New Orleans, is that like every year, um, I guess, I don't know, the statute of limitations are probably gone, but my brother-in-law and I would drive from Nebraska to Missouri because like everything was outlawed in Nebraska, but Missouri had everything. And so we'd drive to Missouri singing, you know, the song from Smoking the Bandit. And uh, then just because I would just keep my lesson money and gig money, just make a fireworks fund. Yeah. So um, we, got plenty of, <laughs> we got plenty of stories, especially uh, <clears throat> one where I almost, well, no, I, I'm, not, I'm just going to stop the stories there. That'll be for maybe when we get a Patreon, I'll tell about the times that... Um, for example, when I shot a bottle rocket over a motorcycle cop's head. Um, yeah, so uh, that happened. And uh, so anyway. Totally uh, appreciated it, I'm sure. <clears throat> well, and I ended up talking about it with him later. <laughs> so uh, it was kind of funny. Um, but uh, yeah, so 4th of July has passed. I have to tell you guys, I am hooked on a new YouTube channel. And that is Adam Savage's uh, mm-hmm. channel. You know, a guy from Mythbusters, and he was a, a prop maker um, for ILM for a time. And Fredo, I have to tell you this story. Uh, I played the video for Dave. This is a Star mm-hmm. Wars story. Um, Adam was uh, hired by Master Replicas to um, come up with the a design for the thermal detonator from Return okay. of the Jedi. And so he he's telling the stories because he's part one of the videos on his YouTube channel is he's showing around his, his home office and he's showing the master replicas, uh, uh, thermal detonator. He said, and so I called the guy who hired me and said, he's like, Hey Tom, this is, uh, this is Adam said, um, I should have the prototype for the thermal detonator ready for you on Monday. Um, so we should be good to go hung up the phone. And like a couple days later, he got a call and said, this is agent so-and-so from the FBI. And he's like, seriously who is this is no sure this is the fbi said i'm a a, like an explosives uh expert and um are you making a thermal detonator 
And he's like, seriously, who is this? I assure you, this is the FBI. He said, end up, get long story, get to the end of it. Um, he left a message on the machine. Well, first of all, the agent says, let me tell you what I think is going on. He said, I've, I'm, I'm a bomb specialist or explosive specialist here in the office that I know, I don't know what a thermal detonator is, never heard of one. So when I Googled it, I found out that it was something from Return of the Jedi. When I Googled your name, I found out that you used to make props for and worked for Industrial Light and Magic. Said So I'm guessing, tell me if I'm wrong here, but I'm guessing that you're developing a prop replica of the thermal detonator. And he said, he said, yeah, but how did you figure this out? He said, well, you left the message on somebody else's machine and they like, totally freaked out thinking that there was some terrorist attack coming or something. So they called the oh. FBI. <laughs> oh, geez. I was like, that's awesome. But if you watch Adam Savage's videos, Oh my goodness. He like does his own, you know, makes his own lightsabers shows how I, I said it. I told Brittany, I said, it's a really good thing that I have no skills in like woodworking or metals or anything like that because, Oh my God, that would be so dangerous. <laughs> you'd have a whole shop in your backyard just devoted to things you can make and to blow up burn or electrify which well, I mean, would be fun the things that, he, things that he makes like I said these he makes replicas of you know props from all different movies and you know but like I said I have no skill in that whatsoever so <clears throat> anyway so yeah check out Adam Savage's uh, YouTube channel it's really good um, anything you guys been geeking out over and just uh, since we haven't talked mm -hmm. in a couple weeks, I've been playing Breath of the Wild like gangbusters. That that game is dangerous, man. <laughs> you can put lose hours. Yeah, you can put three hours into that game and think you've been playing for thirty minutes. It's just you just lose track of all time. Um, I know that's it's not for everyone that particular style of open world game. But uh, I've been loving it. I think it's I think it's an incredible game. Is mm -hmm. this how you decompress after many hours in the car with the kids? Oh, well, yeah, no. Like honestly, it's really <clears throat> good for that because there's certain games you play and you're like, I'm gonna go kill zombies or uh, play Doom or whatever, and it's like blowing off steam. This is more about like zenning out a little bit. It's a very sort of peaceful existence. You know, there's monsters trying to kill you, and et cetera, but... Oh, well, of um, course, that's peaceful. But you can find a little peaceful cor corner somewhere and just hang out on a hill and watch scenery for a while or, or, or cook yourself a meal like or whatever. Like Thanos, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, hey, a grateful uh, universe. I have, I have a question, and I'm sorry, Fredo, to step on you. It's what you've been geeking out, but I sent Scott Colesby a text, text and he hasn't responded back. I have a question because it's been like... They've been playing all the Marvel movies on TNT, and the week before that, it was all the Star Wars movies. And <clears throat> so, naturally, those are the things that I watched. So, I have a question for the two of you. Is there only one Soul Stone, or does anybody who makes their way to Vormir and chucks somebody they love over the side, do they get a Soul Stone? I think it's only one, because otherwise... Anybody could, you know, there'd be an infinite supply of. But I also think it's designed to be so rare and so difficult to get that not everybody would, first of all, finding your way to Vormir is rare. And then 
you know, being willing to go through what it requires to get the soul stone. Like then, it's meant to be rare. But then if the Hulk says that, no, if you go into the past, it does not affect your future because it is your future. So then when Hawkeye and um, uh, Black Widow go to Vormir, shouldn't the soul stone then be gone? Because it was already taken by Thanos before them. No, he took it after them. No, he took it. it if you go by if you go by Hulk's yeah. reasoning, that even though you're going back to 1955 in the DeLorean, that's still in your future. So then, it should. Yeah, but be. you're predating the event of him actually having taken it. I'm just saying there are plot holes all over in <laughs> these Marvel movies. The funny part of that whole you know rigmarole or whatever you want to call it is is the idea that captain america is going to return the soul stone so what happens then so first of all he has to go meet up with red skull again who is like his arch nemesis and then uh, assuming the two of them don't try to kill each other he's just going to put it back does he get the soul back at that point and whose soul does he get back he doesn't get no Natasha's back because she's clearly gone and she doesn't get this uh, is the kind of nerdy conversations that get in people in like us in bar fights you know this would this... <laughs> anyway I get I, people throwing us out of bars maybe that's I, I maintain that would be a great movie Captain America <clears throat> returning all of the stones I mm-hmm. I still want an answer to that so those of you listening here you can chime in on Twitter or whatever let me know is there only one soul stone or again if you show up to vormir and chuck somebody you love over the side do you get a soul stone so now the problem is is that there's only one of the others so to collect the whole set you're still maybe maybe the soul stone is like the one you know um, when we all went to burger king to try to get the uh, collect them all so you can get your special prize at the end there was one that you had a gazillion of and then right. you know one that was the chase so anyway uh, so Fredo anything you've been geeking out over uh, I was just going to say I've been rewatching. I don't know if you guys uh, watched Dragon Ball Z back when it was in its heyday back when it kind of premiered and made its way to American whatever uh, about a decade or so ago about, uh, about 12 years ago a group of YouTube guys did this thing called Dragon Ball Z A Bridge which is just a 10 minute version of the episode that was in a way closer to what the manga uh, voiceover was, but they also made it a bit more uh, PG-13, sometimes close to R, because they did have a few curse words and they'd have a few intonations about stuff. And uh, they only did it through the first 60 episodes of Dragon Ball Z, and it's, I've been laughing my head off just watching it because it's it, they, they find ways in which to, uh, to spin characters that, you know, you see, oh, they're fun and lovable, whatever, and they're like, Oh no! Like so, like somebody comes out saying, "I am the highest," like that gets said, and uh, it's just it's. I've been having a fun time just rewatching it because I'd I'd forgotten I'd seen it like like I said like ten twelve years ago back at the at the start of YouTube's era. Right on, right on. Um, yeah, and I guess we'll. I was going to say one more thing, but we'll, we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. Uh, let's just do quick <clears throat> trivia, throwing it around the horn here uh, to get our brains back wrapped around Star Wars. Uh, Dave, I'm going to start with you. Who does the Chancellor recommend to command the Jedi expedition to capture General Grievous? 
Anakin Skywalker. Oh my god, yeah, right. Okay, Anakin Skywalker <laughs> it is. Mm. Um, all right. And these this is easy tonight. All right, Fredo. Yep. What planet is the site of Mace Windu's final battle? Coruscant. It is Coruscant. And the funny thing is, have, did you guys see Sam Jackson's tweet? Said they're bringing everybody mm-hmm. else back. I'm ready to learn how to fight left-handed. And he's yeah. holding his <laughs> lightsaber. And you, you never go. saw a dead body, so it's all up. It's available. Darth Maul gets cut in half. We saw him get cut in half, and he came back. So Mace Windu can come back from an arm. Um, all right. And to me, uh, who absorbs count dooku's force lightning with his lightsaber that is the gentleman who we're going to be talking about a little bit tonight and that's obi-wan kenobi hello there um yeah so before we get to the news just so you know what we're going to be talking about tonight uh obi-wan kenobi uh we've i think i haven't watched every episode but i've watched the last one a couple times and we got to talking about what did this series how did it answer some questions make some things or answer some questions or make things better in watching and thinking about the uh the saga movies and what did it not help out so much or make or maybe add more questions um so we're just going to kind of look at it from that angle um talk about characters and situations and things like that um but first we got some news so so just right quick uh, to mention, since we're going to start, you know, maybe talk about Obi Wan. I guess we should just mention that everybody liked it, or at least everybody saw it. So uh, viewing figures that, that were released by Disney Plus and Lucasfilm. That is a big distinction, that- isn't it? I'm sorry to interrupt you. That's a big distinction, uh-huh. whether they liked it or they saw it. So all we know is that a lot of people saw it. But anyway, go ahead. Right. <laughs> yeah. No. So the season one finale of Obi Wan drew a five-day audience. So from Wednesday's premiere through that Sunday of 1.8 million households, which is 20% higher than the Wednesday through Sunday finale of Book of Boba Fett, which was the 1.5 million households had. So basically, they they were just, I think they said something like 100 million minutes of it were watched, you know, a certain time. Based, you know, in, put it simply, it was like the biggest thing Disney Plus has ever seen record-breaking everybody's thrilled about the reception that it got just particularly that finale it was just everybody was ready to watch it and watched it and then watched it again yeah i mean like i said it'll be interesting to uh, to see if there's any sort of stats they can get on what people thought of it um mm-hmm. so but i mean i maybe like you could at least look at how many how how long they lasted with the series like did they watch versus how many people watched episode one versus episode six that give you an idea like if you stuck it out maybe yeah you were more inclined to liking it you know know, and uh i was listening to another podcast and they were uh, it was the resistance broadcast and they were talking about um um well as we'll we'll talk about here in a little bit, I think, um, well, Taika Waititi was talking about his Star Wars movie that he hasn't really actually mm-hmm. even started writing yet. Um, and so they're, you know, there's they're one of their one of the people's on on the podcast were saying that um, it was Lacey. She said her speculation is that, you know, Kathleen Kennedy is like going, yeah, we want to make movies, but hey, you take your time. Just get what you want written. We're in no rush here. 
because we're killing it on Disney Plus. That makes sense. And I, okay. you know, I mean, if if you're getting, you know, if you're getting paid, you know, and people like it, I mean, it's like, why why bust your hump on you know a movie? You know what I mean? So, no, no, that's not. We don't have to get too deep into this, but it's an interesting theory. No, I think there's some merit to it, particularly because we know not only that they have. Obi-Wan, but they also have Mandalorian coming, Andor coming, Ahsoka coming. So so there's a lot of product coming down the pipeline for Star Wars. So there's not going to be too long of a gap between uh, for fans to wait for the next project. So if they know that they want to get the movies right so that there's no more backlashes, you know, the easiest thing to do is just say, okay, Taika, take your time. We know that you're making... Uh, Thor, you know, you were doing other stuff, knock that out of the park and then come in and knock this one out the park too. And, you know, we'll, we'll still, there'll still be enough to keep fans uh, happy until you get ready for that. I think in the short term, that's a very true statement. What you said, they're killing it. They're doing wonderfully. People are watching. That's great. Um, where I would suggest the, maybe a cautionary note would be the story of Netflix and where they're at right now um they sort of maxed out on subscribers and then started making poor business choices at that point uh as a way to try to squeeze more blood out of the turnip yeah and they had already but netflix doesn't have marvel and star wars as two of the walls of their house you know what i mean and 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 i i think it would be a lot different if we were getting the Ewok movie, you know, quality stuff. We're getting movie quality on my iPad, you know. I don't disagree with any and of that. So, you know, so but, I I don't disagree with you yeah. either, but I'm saying yeah. that, I mean, it's it's not necessarily apples and oranges, but it's like red apples and green apples because, I mean, like <laughs> I said, Netflix is kind of like the, it's the the end of Indiana Jones, right? I mean, it's like the warehouse mm-hmm. that has all the things, and you go to Disney Plus, and you know that you're going. They have the pillars up at the top. It's Disney, it's Marvel, it's Star Wars, it's National Geographic, and you know. So uh, I guess what I would ask, and that's right? why everybody it, goes to Disney Plus is for natural National Geographic. Anyway. Oh yeah, absolutely, <laughs> that's it. But what I would ask you is what happens when they top out, when they max out on subscribers? Was well, like, okay, well, we'll raise our rates, which again, you can do to a certain degree. And like you said, a lot of the hardcore fans will just pay whatever so they can get their Star Wars show or their Marvel show or whatever. Um, but I don't know how sustainable that is long term. I, I think as long as you have people having children that there are always going to be new Disney plus subscribers because that is the, with all due respect, that is the world's best babysitter is the fact that you can put on the latest Disney cartoon and a kid can, and watch it right there. I don't think star Wars and Marvel is going to be what's going to keep it going long term. I think it has everything to do with the Disney vault. And, well, like and again, kids. like I'm just talking about from a stock market perspective, right? They have to show growth. They have to show that we're making more money. Uh, and I think that there is a subscriber base that you eventually will max out. Um, and so, and I think I, it's going to be when, replenished. 
and then at that point you start running into some trouble and and i think like i'll go on the record right now and say that i think like that's in the future i don't know how far into the future that is but i think at some point they will reach that point of set saturation they'll have raised prices a couple of times and then what do you do disney plus two i i mean like i i don't know that i don't know that like pinning your hopes to streaming long term makes sense it's it needs to be kind of ancillary by its very format and i think like the feature films are going to have to return at some point yeah well, I'll agree with that. I think in some ways I would compare it to ESPN, where uh, they've tried to do a lot of original programming with varying degrees of quality. But the hook that they, had, that they have, the reason why they spend so much money on live sports is because that's the one thing they have that everybody is after. That's the reason why the SEC is going to ESPN exclusively. Is the reason why... Monday Night Football spending so much money to get Joe Buck and Troy in because they know ultimately it that's what's driving the caboose. That's what's driving the train. And for Disney Plus, you're right. I mean, at some point, they're going to have to consider what's the maxing, maximum rate on their return. What's the most they can put in before they have to either make drastic changes or prices. And it's interesting because, yeah, at this point, it's not an issue. At some point, it might be. And Look, they may have, there may be discussions within Disney, Lucasfilm, Marvel about how much more can we saturate things, how much can we stave off stuff for well, uh, the theater for the before the before we need to have stuff in theaters because we also know, I mean, stuff hits theaters and then ninety days later it's in streaming. So it's interesting that you bring this up. I, well, I'm, and we don't need to belabor this even more, but yeah. you know what? You know, Disney Plus is not just about original content it's you know mm-hmm. it's I mean, it, it's a it's a server where you can go and watch your favorite stuff because actually when watching those marvel movies on tnt it was like or tbs or whatever it was um at the bottom there was this thing that kept popping up it's like hey are you liking watching captain america because you can watch it on disney plus without commercials and stuff like that so maybe there is a little bit of worry there maybe they're trying to get some people but i mean I mean, I, I, I just, I, I think that they're going to keep getting my money, for example, because even if I mm-hmm. stop watching them, like I'm done with Disney plus, that's when they're going to come out with, Hey, now we've got this new star Wars thing. It's like, Oh darn it. I'm going to go give them my $60 or whatever it is. Or, you know, eventually I'm sitting here with a couple cabinets full of DVDs and, you know, and CDs asked me the last time I opened one of those cabinets. <laughs> you, know, oh, no. you know what I mean? So, so I think you know it will be interesting to watch. I, you know, uh, you're, I, I totally get your point. Um, but I, I, my hope is that if if you want to, if you want to keep people coming back, it's like, don't saturate. Don't put everything in Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. You know, like have your new Star Wars stuff and then taper it off. Then all of a sudden, hey kids, we got a movie out in the theater. It's like, oh yeah, we gotta go to the theater, and then the next new thing is on Disney Plus. So it's like, oh crap, I gotta go back to Disney Plus and watch stuff there. Then you know, three, you four years later, to... have yep. another thing in the theater. You know, it's like, but um, yeah. So anyway, like I said, I'm, no, I'm sorry to saying... hijack the news there, but uh, that was a. Uh... No, I was just gonna finish. I was gonna say they could follow the WWE model where they'd have the weekly Monday Night Raw stuff, and then 
but it, all the stuff culminates at WrestleMania 49.95 on pay-per-view. You know, that was the old model that they used to follow, where yeah. all, they would always be building up towards the big pay-per-view Works event. Works for them. be like that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, where they just build towards the movie. Uh, speaking of Disney Plus and TV shows, uh, Empire Magazine came out with the latest issue, and they had a whole bunch of stuff on Andor. But they also had an interview with uh, Rosario Dawson and, and Nicole uh, uh, Berdiso regarding Ahsoka. So there's a couple of quotes I just want to throw out there. They're asking uh, Rosario about Ahsoka's character, and she goes, quote, there have been two instances where she has shown up on a mission, you know, so far in live action. You see how she's interacting with folks, but you don't really get her per se. Even fans who've lived with her for so long don't know what, where she's at now in this journey. Whereas Bordiso said, uh, when they asked him about Sabine, she goes, Sabine is so fearless and brave with so much grace, but she still has flaws. She's making mistakes, and it's very high stakes in this galactic war to make mistakes. Uh, and it's great for audiences that have seen Rebels, but we've got a standalone chapter as it is. So, you know, they, they're obviously trying to hint at the fact that it's been years since we've seen these characters. They're not necessarily going to be the same that you last remember from that Rebels finale. So I wonder how people are going to take it when that finally comes down. Did you just uh, quote her as saying that there's a galactic war or galactic conflict going on? I did. That was part of her quote. Yeah. that That's an interesting nugget to me because, like, if this is set during The Mandalorian, that's not really true necessarily. Well, is, is it? I mean, is it's it? supposed to be, I thought, because she's searching for Thrawn. Well, she's searching for Thrawn, but is it set during The Mandalorian? Course. That's my point. Yeah, and that's... the the first order started um, coming. Uh, yeah, man, let's we have to do our research on this one. To figure <laughs> that out. But that 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 is an interesting that's grenade it. that was dropped there. You know, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, because yeah, it could. I mean, it could very well mean that the, maybe the show starts off towards the end of the Return of the Jedi period, and then we spring forward. Or it could mean that maybe they're still caught up in fighting the remnants of the Empire. It could mean. Any number of things. I think that's kind of what's interesting is mm-hmm. we we have some sort of idea of what we're going to get out of Ahsoka, but we might all be wrong. Chances are we're all going to be wrong. Well, yeah, remnants of the Empire likely um, Thrawn eventually, very likely. Um, so yeah, I mean that's probably where we're getting, where we're headed at minimum. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on right quick, uh, speaking of, uh, and I'll just drop this note right here. Uh, they're mentioning, uh, of course, mentioned Sabine and Ahsoka. We should mention that their former running mate in Rebels, Caleb Doom, a.k.a. Kenan Jarrus' lightsaber, is coming to Doc Ondar's Den of Antiquities for purchase whenever you visit Galaxy's Edge. It's interesting that they, they're saying Caleb Doom. Right, they're not saying Kanan Jarrus. They're not saying Kanan Jarrus. I wonder if that's just to differentiate because Kanan's to separate. And I, I mean, I've only seen the mock-ups and the images. We haven't seen anybody <laughs> so try to separate. So you don't go back to Doc Ondar's. I want my money back. This doesn't come apart. Because that's part of the selling point of that lightsaber. I mean, the fact that it broke into two pieces, you could put it away. But I don't know. If, I don't know if the technology is there to allow Disney Imagineers to do that. I can I can get two lightsabers right now that I can take the top off and and mm-hmm. show you. 
I mean, yes, the technology's there. They can do it. <laughs> yeah, they could screw, a, you know, they just, you know, put, they put the kyber crystal in a slightly different location. Dave, it's a really good thing this isn't a video podcast. Don't use yeah. your hand gestures, all right? Ah, <laughs> uh, you know. Um, Do not play with your lightsaber on the podcast. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everyone. But no, they could they could very well do that. Um, so, however, it, you know, it could. Uh, the more the more things that detach, the more easily they stop working. Yep. So yeah. But well, anyway, it's like it's look under the roof of your car, and, right. uh, and you're gonna see see that. I'm also gonna say if you if you want to build a model where you know you're always getting money, build stuff that breaks apart and pieces get lost. Invariably. You're gonna have to go look online for the replacement. Here's the thing, though. About well, okay, you know, when I was at Doc Ondar's and I'm looking at and I watched videos of what lightsabers are in stock and stuff like that, it's like, who's in the who's in the meeting room that says, okay, what lightsabers should we make? And who's the person that says, Luminaras? Let's make Luminara. And you know, it's like, who's the nerd that's coming up with you know like some of these. And again, not Kane and Jarrus, but let's make Caleb Dooms, you know, or let's let's make these obscure Jedi Masters that we actually never see their lightsabers. Maybe that's why they do it, because then they you can't come back and say that they did it wrong. Anyway, it's just kind of weird. Um, it's like to me, the the as a person who just you know you know, had, uh, bought the Skywalker saber from Disney, you know, UK and had it sent over by our friend, Larry. I mean, make Obi-Wan's make, you know, Darth Vader's, which they do make, you know, Luke Skywalker's make, make those, especially those saga lightsabers. And those are the ones people will buy, you know, tons of, um, mm -hmm. but anyway, we don't have to spend more time on that. yeah i mean like you're mostly right i mean like those are the big sellers right but there there, there is some niche appeal to some of the smaller characters who have the ezra's one is always i found really interesting his first one that had the yeah. gun yeah. attached <laughs> yeah you can get that as a toy you can get that as a toy but uh yeah. i agree with you um yeah no i the minute that they that the obi-wan lightsaber from a new hope is um available on doc ondars at doc ondars then i might anytime i have somebody going to disney world that's where i might send money with them um because that's another one oh, I yeah. but i did oh, have I a problem like... with i told you i had a problem with the luke skywalker one it didn't look right to me um so that's the original of the jedi one yeah it didn't it didn't didn't look right something didn't sit right with me so it's a is it the one that fold that breaks apart that you just have to screw on the other? Oh, you can't see the, you know. Uh, is that the one that breaks apart and you tie on the another piece to connect the saber blade? I didn't see that. No, I don't know. Okay, never mind. Now I was just thinking, you know, Doc Ondar should have a button that everybody presses as they buy a lightsaber that just quotes General Grievous. You know, your lightsaber will make a fine addition to my collection. Yeah. It's it's like or have the Pokemon sign, you know, collect them all. Uh, that's right. That's all right. Right. Uh, right quick, we'll mention that today there was a trailer that dropped for a uh, behind the scenes show called Light and Magic, which is going to be on Disney Plus starting July 27th, and it's behind the scenes about industrial light and magic. So, if you're any kind of 
geek of the last 40 some odd years you want to see how all the magic got made they're going to take you behind the scenes and show you can't wait this is the kind of stuff that i love disney plus for i love these types of things one of my favorite shows on disney plus is um imagineering where they Mm -hmm. go you know they're talking about yeah i'd love things like this so i i wish there was more star wars stuff like this um anyway this kind of stuff used to be like the add-on for the dvd right and it would mm-hmm. it would help encourage people to buy the DVDs. You know, well, I gotta watch the behind the scenes thing, and uh, so this is kind of a similar deal, um, and just another reason to subscribe to Disney Plus. And it's not going to be all Star Wars. It's all the stuff ILM's been working on. Yep. So I hope that they talk. I hope they have one episode where they talk about the Gopher from Caddyshack, because ILM was responsible for the Gopher in Caddyshack. Will they have a whole episode dedicated to Phil Tippett and Jurassic Park? They could. They were rep- I mean, they, they were dedicate- rappers in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, the early days of this of uh, the CGI stuff with um, the Abyss, um, yep. Terminator, Terminator Two. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So there were a lot of really cool things, um, yeah. and they could just, yeah, tell us the history. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a nerd for that too. I think one of the biggest things that's going to hit us is just how much progress got made in from, say, 77 with the original Star Wars to now. Because, you know, know, we really underestimate just how many leaps and bounds got taken just because we just lived through them. Hey, yeah, we can do this on the computer, but that wasn't necessarily the case. You know, and on a tangent, before we move on to the last news story, I was, again, watching Star Wars on TBS. I was watching Return of the Jedi, and I found myself just staring at the, you know, when the Emperor um, arrives on the Death Star, and knowing that about 80% of that wide shot of the of the Death Star hangar is a matte painting. Mm-hmm. It's not CGI. It's a painting that they then put live people on top of. And you cannot even it. it it's not it's what it's a movie screen. It doesn't. You know, it's there's there's times in Return of the Jedi when it's like, OK, it's a fake background. Like when Lando and Han are talking before Han takes off in the shuttle and Lando takes the Falcon. The background there looks awful. But this one it's like there are so many times in star wars where it's like that's a map painting i can't believe that um mm-hmm. so anyway no i can't wait for this this will be awesome yep. Yep. so a uh, final bit of news and it's not star wars is marvel uh thor love and thunder speaking of uh taika waititi and uh dropped today because well it's officially out tomorrow but early screens have already come out reviews are popping up everywhere uh so, so rotten tomatoes had a rated fresh at 69 percent so Nice. We're going to see it tomorrow, um, and I saw one tweet today where it said, or article where it says, "This is the best Thor movie." So my bar has oh, no. been set, and now I'm going to go in all <laughs> cynical, and they're going to have to prove me. You know, they're going to have to prove it to me if they say this is the best Thor movie. Uh, well, the reviews, uh, as Fredo alluded to, are only at around 70%, which is not super high where the MCU is concerned. You, most of the movies fall well above that. So, so Ragnarok, I mean, Ragnarok was pulling mm-hmm. in in the 90s, if I'm, late, high mm-hmm. 80s, low 90s. So, well, this but is, is, this, 
is this a little bit too is it a little bit too much rodney dangerfield you know what i mean because uh, okay because because yeah. here's my point as for you know mm -hmm. while watching all these all these uh, marvel movies you know during the fourth of july weekend um i watched the avengers and the thor in the first avengers movie is a much much different character than the thor in endgame mm -hmm. and so now we're and, the, and also the thor and ragnarok you know you start seeing the, the character totally changes and chris hemsworth and and everybody the, and the directors making those movies they start they change that character a bunch and now is it like so maybe it was refreshing with Thor Ragnarok and then with Endgame, it was kind of like, eh, you know, okay, this is kind of, this kind of nice, but it's getting a little now, maybe it's a little bit too much Rodney Dangerfield. Mm -hmm. I think that was one of the questions because I saw at least one review that said, basically it's Ragnarok. And if you like Ragnarok, this is pretty much like Ragnarok part two. So I'm trying, I'm trying to remember what it's like. They're like, if Ragnarok was Led Zeppelin, this is Led Zeppelin two. So, <laughs> You're getting more of the same, maybe tighter, maybe uh, more focused. But it's going to be interesting to see. I'm I'm going to try to go see it sometime this weekend, see if uh, uh, how it is. Maybe we can talk about it next week. But I mean, then we you know we can discuss about maybe Natalie Portman coming back, you know, coming to Star Wars. Good lord! All right, yeah, okay. So this was funny. I was reading. The, I sent you guys this article today because um, first thing I do, first thing I do when I wake up, um, if I don't go for a run, well, after I'm done with my run. If I don't go on a run, so it's the first thing I do. It's I, uh, first, I play Wordle. Um, then mm -hmm. I go through my Google News brief. And um, there was this article. Um, Taika Waititi asked, Natalie Portman asked, so what are you working on next? He's like, yeah, I'm going to do this Star Wars thing. I got to you know, start. So he said, have you ever wanted to be in a Star Wars movie? And she's like, I've been in Star Wars movies. <laughs> it's like i'm kind of sorta i mean this, you may have this reminded them. me sorry this reminded me of the time when i i was when i was a band director and i was helping out with the eighth grade band and um the band director said hey aaron will you help katie down to uh the lunchroom katie was a flute player and she was totally blind and so um so I was like, sure. So she had a hold of my arm and we're walking down to the cafeteria and Katie says, so, you know, uh, she said, usually my friend Marianne helps me to the lunchroom. I said, oh, really? What does she look like? <laughs> and there's this pause and Katie says, I don't know. I'm just like, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, it's just like, I, just. Yeah. And, but. It's like, okay, so now, Taika Waititi, either you're totally distracted by all the things you got going on, or did you, did, is it possible that he did not see the prequels? Or that he could be trolling her as well, because this is right in his wheelhouse. This is his style of humor to just mm -hmm. make that kind of joke, right? Somebody at the prequel's expense. Somebody needs to pin him down. Actually, and the way that you pin him down is you start like asking, you know, you, you get a trivia game going and make it all prequel uh, questions. Um, so anyway, but yeah, that was that was just kind of a funny anecdote. So either way, Thor. All right. Well, best Thor movie. I'll let you know what I think when I get home tomorrow night. Hey, let the record state that I have I have. 
I have said no such thing about this movie to ruin it for you this time around. Um, but uh, I'm going to go see it this weekend, too. Um, and I'm pretty excited about it. I think even if it's a tire fire, it'll be an entertaining tire fire. See, and that's a, but that's the thing with with any. I, I, I again, I've said it before. I appreciate the people that it's just like, you know, hey, have you seen you know this new movie? No. What did what you think about it? That's all right. You know, just just give a benign like. Don't don't say that you hate it or that it was the best thing ever. You know, because that's only going to that does affect everybody it, you go in especially because i trust you know you know i trust dave's opinion very much i trust fredo's opinion very much and if you were to say this is the greatest thing ever and then i go in and it's not the greatest thing ever i'm like what'd you do to me you know what i mean it's like but if you if you set the bar at yeah it's pretty it's pretty good then i'm not going to be you know it's uh the, the best Thor movie. Okay, well, here we go. It's the funniest movie since Animal House. Okay, gotcha. Man, okay, we need to move on because I'm going to start drinking more and I'm going to like start getting more mad. On the same topic, briefly, I will mention that I finally saw Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, so we can speak freely about that. I don't know if we need to dedicate a whole episode to that or not. Give but... me a chance to watch it again, because there's a lot of stuff that I missed, and I was kind of... Uh, yeah, I need to go back and watch it again. It's on Disney+. Plus. I, I think like that movie is the poster child for having to do your homework or having to do the summer I mean, it's just like I didn't think it was a Doctor Strange movie because, like, what happened to him over the course of the movie? I mean, like, not a lot. I mean, not really. Like, oh well. Anyway. Well, I think we should not talk. I think I think we should talk about it at, on an episode sometime because there's the opinion that um, I, I I'm inclined to agree with. Um, not just because it's my wife's opinion, but for other, but they've, they, we could take some issues with the way that they've portrayed Wanda and the way that they've kind mm. of run that character, um, oh, yeah. into the ground. Yeah, no, they took her straight from, oh. you know, flawed mm. hero into now I'm straight evil. Right. Um, and yeah. So yeah. anyway, um, all right. Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan, what has made things um for, what has made things a little bit more clear what has helped I suppose the the movies and things that have come before it and what areas have we uh um do we still have some uh questions or is it maybe it made things worse. Um I think maybe a good way to start with this if you guys don't mind let's just go through the the main characters. Mhm. And the, the, like the, so, so like what? Because I'm talking like Obi Wan, Leia, um, Owen, and Beru. You know, let's let's talk about those saga and Darth Vader as well. Those saga characters that um, are main characters in this series. So let's talk about. Let's just go straight up. First of all, Obi Wan. Um, what things in this series 
elevated his character and we can talk about both of them as well like elevated or made it a little bit more um like i said before things that make you go hmm didn't make things any clearer what do you think about obi-wan i'll i mean like i'll i'll start us off just by saying that i think like most of the characters that you just listed were we have a richer understanding of now period um there was there was more to to digest there was more to see and observe and and, and understand um and i was all for that <laughs> in a very general way uh and so i like i i really can't fault uh the story when it came to any of them um i'd even throw luke and luke and um bail in um yeah because we got a little bit of those two um and again appreciated what we saw um when it comes to the main characters i have several thoughts about like you know the story and the portrayal and things of that nature but um i just wanted to kind of lead with that um i appreciated getting what we got you know some some interesting things um it it seemed to you started seeing um Obi-Wan become less of the arrogant um, fart-smelling Jedi from the prequels and more of the um, kind of Qui-Gon, you know, the forces, you know, it, the, the living force type of a character that we got from Alec Guinness. Um, I think you started seeing it, there, there is a, a mentality shift there. Um, some kind of things that really hit harder now we we've shared the meme and it's been around a bunch that that moment in a new hope now when obi-wan's fighting um vader and he looks over and he sees luke and leia running to the falcon and he gives a smirk and i've always always as everybody has interpreted that as like yeah okay this is going to get luke down the road and he's going to own all of you so here we go and go ahead and slice me down but it's now it's like the the meme is like obi-wan seeing the twins together for the first time in 19 years and that's just like because of his interaction with leia in this movie or movie in this series because of you know his uh the brief interaction with luke and then it's obviously it, it it just hits harder right there. So off the top, I would agree with all that. Both what both of you guys said. Just because we're talking about uh, we we're getting an opportunity to glance at a character a characters that we cannot know. I mean, like I said, the good thing that the prequels did is they left you off at a point where had you seen nothing else, you could see where they connect to episode four getting this series actually allows you a bit more breathing room. You're seeing that these were not static characters. Obi-Wan didn't go into the desert and just chill there for 18 years, you know, wait for somebody to come and break glass to get him out of there. He was living, breathing. I, I love the juxtaposition of him at the start, broken and defeated. I think I think that was part of the thing that I really appreciated about the shows because it, it allows you, I mean... <laughs> talk about uh, looking backwards you know in terms of how we lost saw luke's failure at um in last jedi 
versus seeing now Obi-Wan's failure here where he's living with everything that went wrong. And I think if anything else, it allowed us to kind of go, okay, he, you know, there was stuff that he wouldn't have known if he had just stayed in Tatooine. So now we know how he knew it. So it does give you that. It gives you an opportunity to gain further understanding of the characters, which I always appreciated. This isn't a this isn't a static story. These aren't archetypes. There, they start off that way, but then they branch off into new things. Now, the thing that I did uh, that made me feel a, a, a little bit better as well is because I remember buying my Ben Kenobi action figure back in the seventies and being very confused as why does he have two names? Why does he have two names? Now the clone wars get into it a little bit when that one arc where he goes by the code name Ben, but the fact that Owen and Baru are always referring to him as Ben and that explains then why Luke doesn't know that there's a difference between Ben and Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's like, you know, how, how do you, you know, it, so anyway, I, I thought that that this series did a good job at I guess making that a little bit more easy to accept because otherwise it's like, how do you not know that Obi-Wan Swoboda and, you know, Aaron Swoboda are the same people? You know what I mean? It's one of those things because it's not everybody's walking around and everybody knows a Kenobi. Um, but, you know, Luke grew up with hearing Ben and hearing people on Tatooine talk about Ben Kenobi. Um, and it was that that name was used a bunch in this mm-hmm. series. So that, I mean, and that seems, that seems like a minor thing, but it, it, it does. I think it has now made the story more cohesive. We added to, um, I think like Luke not seeing the lightsaber, right. was a really kind of key moment when Reva was chasing him through the desert. He doesn't see the lightsaber so that when he sees a lightsaber later on, it's still a big deal. Um, they did a lot of little things like that. They paid a lot of notice to that original movie to make sure that they didn't like ruin it for us old fogies who, who are like devoted to this stuff. So um absolutely appreciated the, those kinds of small details like you said um circling back to what fredo was talking about with obi-wan himself um this is just a lovely character study of of a man who's lost everything and he has to pick himself up from that and that's a really sort of worthwhile story it's not a new story um, but it, it's it makes you feel good when you when you see it, um, and so like anytime you get to see that that kind of story play out, I think it, I think is great. And then if you have an emotional attachment to that character to begin with, if it's somebody that you're already familiar with, I think it becomes that much more powerful. A lot of the most powerful acting moments that came about in this series were were you and playing this iconic role again, which again is another point in the favor of this series existing in the first place. Um, But just doing such a wonderful job of conveying all of these different emotions that he's going through. Um, And, and again, this, this idea of I've lost everything, 
how do I respond to that? And it's contrasted against the same theme taking place for Anakin and Reva at the same time. And so you contrast Obi-Wan's response to this situation to these people who've given in to their evil impulses at the same time. And I, again, on that level alone, I think it's a very, very worthwhile story to have experienced. One of the things that actually uh, I was just thinking about that this show does really well, and going to Aaron's point and to yours as well, Dave, is the idea of characters you know, becoming new people. Like we know that, you know, Anakin becomes Darth Vader, but it isn't just a becoming. It's a he sheds that old persona and becomes this menacing monster that walks around. Much the same way as Reva shed most most of herself to become the third sister and then her journey to finding her way back to who she was prior to all the trauma and stuff that she faced. But the core of that element for Obi-Wan to go from Obi-Wan to Ben, we've always kind of juxtaposed that you know, Ewan McGregor played Obi-Wan Kenobi and Alec Guinness played Ben Kenobi. But I think this is the, we got to see here where that transition kind of started, where, you know, in some ways at the start of the series, he's still clinging on to that Obi-Wan sense of self. And by the end, he's accepted that he must let that go of that and embrace being Ben in order to be able to move on and serve what he needs to do. So what did uh, the series do for that left you maybe still scratching your head or saying, oh, come on, there's still some loose threads with uh, with Obi-Wan? Um, the one I mean, the one that really that I was hoping for throughout this series, I was I wish we would have had that the communing with Qui-Gon would have been a little bit more of a crescendo rather than a big nothing burger. And then all of a sudden ghost Qui-Gon at the end. I mean, I would have been fine with ghost Qui-Gon at the end. If maybe there would have been some communing with Yoda to, you know, I'm supposed to be doing this stuff for, to figure out, figure out now I get it. They've set themselves up for season two, you know, how to, become one with the force but what if vader would have sliced him down you know type of a deal um so i i guess that still that is still a how did obi-wan you know learn all this stuff and why all of a sudden is he ready to see qui-gon that that kind of still leaves some scratching they probably could have given us a little bit more with that because i would agree with that um I, I kind of like what the way that they did it in the sense that this is the culmination of his hero's journey. He was not ready to see Qui-Gon until he was self-actualized, right? And until he had like returned from the brink of, you know, trudging through the desert and with no, no uh, meaning or purpose in his life. Um, he had to find himself again. Um, and once he had done that, that's when he was able to see Qui-Gon again. And so like within like the construct of the story and like, and, and like that, that sort of lesson telling, I, uh, I, I totally endorse the way that they did it. But again, to your point, maybe show him, I know it gets repetitive after a while, but maybe show him trying, not getting it a little bit more. 
Uh, I think we saw two scenes of that. Um, but you could have gotten a little bit more. And he didn't have to reveal himself um, in kind of a flippant way. It was a little bit like the lightsaber toss in Last Jedi. I mean, uh, it was a little flippant at the end. And yeah. he was like, oh, ha, ha. Um, so, it, it, yeah. makes me wonder, it makes me wonder if maybe... They did. They did it that way because they couldn't. They didn't know if they were going to be able to get Liam Neeson to come back until the very last minute. Like, you know, because obviously you can totally tell now. Okay, it's a great ending. But I was also thinking that final shot between Ben and Luke. If maybe the hello there was meant to be the finale, the final moment, and then they went, "Oh, great, we got Liam to come back. Quick, shoot an extra scene just to kind of." And then they went back and filmed those extra moments where he's trying to commune with him. Because it makes sense from a production standpoint. If you don't know if you can get the guy back, don't hint at his presence. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah, don't write that in as a major plot element if uh, if you don't know. So, uh, okay, so let's for, let's move on. How about Leia? Because I would, I would argue that actually this series did more for Leia and giving her more credibility and and explaining more of her story in the, especially the original trilogy. I'm not talking about the sequel trilogy, um, but uh, I think the series did a bunch for Leia. And the first one out of the gate is the biggest plot hole ever was when, you know, Luke asks, what do you remember of your mother? And she's like, and Leia remembers all this stuff about her mother. And, it's like if you were how how and then you would see the prequels and you're like how what where why you know, how does she know all this stuff about her mother but that one little scene with her and obi-wan she looks at obi-wan she says are you my father and it's like and because she is more of an empath that she probably does have visions of you know her force abilities maybe she does see scenes from her birth you know so i think that scene alone you know did wonders to fill that little hole um so what do you guys what do you think about what do you think about leia can i just add to that too like um the the very scene at the end where he's talking where obi-wan is talking to leia and talking about the 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 characteristics that she inherited from her mother just reinforces the sort of you know vague cloudy picture she might have had of the woman in the to begin with um and so when she later talks to luke you know what do you remember of your mother it's like some of that that some of that conversation could be informed by that conversation that she has with obi-wan when he describes her to him her um and so like again multiple scenes that sort of address that 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 being an issue for people i think i think that's i think that's great um and a little leia in general i really enjoyed girl deserves an emmy she did she did a really great job yep yeah i think uh if one, I mean, in many ways if if we got the most out of obi-wan i think leia's the one who comes out looking the second best because it allows us to connect with our character in a way in which you can totally see why she ends up being the girl in charge of the plans at the start of episode four. 
uh, I was thinking of that moment in Rogue One where Bale says, I got to get back to Alderaan. And it's like, you know, I, that he says, I would trust her with my life. When he's telling the other rebel leaders, I would trust Leia with my life. And you're like, wait a minute, she's, yeah, she's your daughter and that's nice. And, but she's an 18-year-old girl. And then you realize, no, she's somebody who, because of her ordeals, has grown up a lot faster, thrown herself into the de you know, dedicated life of service that calls for much more than Han or Luke ever ever thought that they would sign up for it. She was, you know, whereas, say, somebody like Luke got thrusted upon the stage, Leia chose to be there, and this is the point where you see her come into realization that she needs to be involved because the forces, you know, around them are not nice, and they will use little kids as pawns and or target practice. So uh, I think she comes out amazing out of this. Now, while, while the scene that I mentioned uh, before was very well done and very subtle and you know you know the one that was more like a seventh grader asking another seventh grader to the school dance was at the very end when obi-wan said well when she says will i ever see you again and obi-wan says you know but we, you know, we we can't act like we know each other, basically, because it will be dangerous for both of us. It was very clunky, but it helped to explain why, you know, her message, you know, on R two D two was, you know, General Kenobi, you know, I've I've heard that you served my father in the Clone Wars type of a deal. You know, you're a guy that my dad's talked about, not that I went on this, you know, whirlwind adventure with. So that was always kind of you know, in the original trilogy and it was kind of awkward. Um, and then of course, when Luke rescues her and she goes, Ben Kenobi, it's like, Oh, you know him, you know, it's like it, that it was that there's always been that kind of awkwardness, that little yeah. scene as clunky as it was, like I said, it was just clunky, but it was enough to say, <laughs> and a little creepy to have it. Like, Let's let this be our little secret. Leia. You know, it was a little creepy, oh, no. <laughs> but <laughs> but it did help. It did help to say, you know, we'd both be in trouble if we get it. You know, so I, you know, it was obvious that that was they. I think they. It was obvious that the 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 creators of this went and where are the the holes in the dam that we do need to put a finger in. So yeah, and and like to your point is it sufficient i don't know um her she still seems somewhat unfamiliar and a little too formal with ben at the beginning of a new hope but by that and, time she's a full-on spy she's not just like you know a naive little girl doing a thing for her dad i think by that time she is like full-on you know almost a almost fulcrum type of a deal rebel agent yeah so she's you know when so when vader said you are part of the rebel alliance and a traitor you know when you you know he's true he's he's accurate but anyway um general Kuba kenobi years ago you served my father in the clone wars it's like just i mean like yeah and also and also like you know, it's like, come on. So I think this series adds extra awkwardness to that whole relationship. Now, it's like we're going to we're going to graft a relationship between these two um, onto the movies. Cool. 
But now you've created a, a little bit of weirdness in some of the dialogue in, in episode four. That having been said, we've talked about why does she name her kid Ben? <laughs> I was like, well, nope. yeah, now you got a good reason for that one. Uh, but also, I think I was just going to say right quick, but part of me was also thinking just was the, yes, or still the delivery in A New Hope seems awkward compared to what we know now. But it could just simply be a question of maybe the you know the original idea was get him back to Aldrin, kind of help you know connect him with the rebellion kind of thing. Not hey, we're, my planet's going to get blown up and I'm going to be captured. As, so I, I I can forgive a lot of the uh, clunkiness of that delivery because I disagree. It's, it's I, I'm sorry, I disagree with both of you because mm-hmm. if I knew if I knew with either one of you that if anybody caught wind of the fact that I knew who you were, that it could mean that you were going to be found and killed, that I would play it off. Like, all right, that we have never met each other before. I don't know who you are. And so I, I think, I think this, because of that one little ad at the end, like I said, as clunky as it was, because that one little ad of, you know, we need to make sure that nobody ever knows that we know each other because it's dangerous for us both that that then ex- that explains that so we I don't well, agree we can agree to disagree let's move yeah. on how about vader let's talk about vader we got the monster back <laughs> oh it makes it makes the entry in rogue one even more menacing and the entry in a new hope even more menacing you know it's um they, they, yeah, they, they gave a lot of depth to that character. I think one of the good things that they did is because we got to see the monsters. Because if you never notice in A New Hope, Vader's an enforcer. He's not the guy in charge. Well, Tarkin's in charge. Not the Empire till they start changing dynamics that Vader gets put above the Imperials. I mean, the, the Vader in A New Hope gets talked to uh, talked at by imperial officers in Empire, he's choking guys, and so I is, think that, way... is that maybe something that this series then still makes you scratch your head a little bit about when you watch A New Hope because he is after after all that we've seen in Rogue One and in Kenobi with Vader and in Rebels, that when you get to A New Hope and he's being pushed around by a bunch of people, does that still make you kind of like how is this guy getting pushed around? Yeah, yeah, it, cre- it creates. That's one of those things where you feel like, okay, maybe they made a clunk here. Maybe they didn't answer appropriately. I, I do love him. Just on the, on the positive side, I love as much that we got as much as we did. I love that we finally got that acknowledgement from Anakin about his own failure in all this. Because you know, it's really you know, he didn't just blame everybody around him. He also blamed himself. He had enough time to, you know, sit in the back of the tank tank and think what went wrong. But. Uh, so that was really good. And I just, you know, I love every moment with him on scene. I mean, look, he's one of the, he's the biggest movie villain of all time for a reason. It's great that we got all we got with him. When he's been partially demasked, um, there's that moment when he's, you know, he's having the back and forth with Obi-Wan and there's um, his eyes change over the course of that scene. And I, I refuse to believe that that's a mistake or you know an error in eye makeup or whatever it's like 
He goes Sith eyes, normal eyes, back to Sith eyes, pretty much. And it's it's kind of jarring because, and again, you see Ewan's reaction where his face sort of just like crumples up in, inside of itself because I think he sees that glimmer um, and then it goes away. And like maybe in his own mind, that's the moment where he truly, truly lost his friend. Um, but it, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's interesting you bring that up because at Star Wars Underworld podcast brought this up. They were talking about now watching the, um, everything with Vader in it. Now it's going to be, it's going to be within the, you're going to have the thing going through your brain of who's speaking. Is it Anakin or is it Darth Vader? Yeah. Like, yeah. It, like in return of the Jedi is, is it at some point, you know, it's like when, when he says it's too late for me, son, that's not Darth Vader talking. That's Anakin, mm. you know? So it is almost this moon Knight type of a thing. Um, you know, but they've, so I don't know if they'll be, I, so I love what they were talking about where it's like, yeah, now when you're watching this or who's, who's speaking, is it, is it Darth Vader or is it Anakin Skywalker? So, you know, we got more buildup of the myth as we alluded to earlier with the monster, you know, and uh, a couple of really wicked duels out of this situation, which I don't want to gloss over either. Those, I thought they were both great. Um, How does it make you feel about the duel that they have in a new hope? I've always just been like, whatever with that. They're both old men. Whatever. But it's but yeah. I mean, and I've you yeah. know, first of all, people. The thing that's been driving me nuts is that people are really concerned with the fact that how is how do we get from you and McGregor here to eight years later, um, Alec Guinness? And it's like I've watched guys that I was a freshman in college with go bald. No with all due respect, um, you know, by their senior look at, year. Look at pictures of me from 10 years so, ago. That's all I'll say about that. But, but to go from that type of duel, which everybody wanted to see to eight years later and arguably being stronger in the force, both of them to being like the old man, fight in family guy you know it there there was i don't think there was any way they're ever going to fix that unless they totally re-edit a new hope yeah but you know that's it that's the solution but i will but i will say that because they weren't jumping around and leaping around and doing all sorts of you know episode three type stuff that i think actually the duel helps lead us into that because yeah. let's face it, Obi Wan's going back to Tatooine. He's going to be sit around talking to Ghost Qui Gon, you know. So it's not like he's going to be jogging, you know, five miles a day. Seriously, um, one of the smartest things they did was have Vader toy with uh, Obi Wan in that first duel, because he's like, "I'm so much more powerful than you, and you're compl- clearly out of practice." And he's just basically one handing the right. guy, like, "I I own you," and he kind of returns to that sort of thing again by the time new hope rolls around. He's like, well, I know again, either he recognizes it. He sees Obi-Wan's older. He sees Obi-Wan's out of practice. He thinks I have the upper hand. 
and he treats him as such. And that that's kind of how that fight comes off, even though we know it's 1977 choreography. Right. Well, you right, know, right, the right, sticks, right, right. they're trying not to break the sticks and everything. It's like, OK, we get it. We, we understand suspension of disbelief. Um, but I do agree with you. This connects better than Revenge of the Sith. Can I give you one kind of plausible way you can explain away the duel in New Hope? The purpose of Obi-Wan wasn't. You know, the purpose of the duels in both Revenge of the Sith and in this one was Obi-Wan trying to take out Anakin. The purpose of the duel in A New Hope is not, Obi-Wan's not trying, Ben's not trying to take out Anakin. He's trying to stall for time. He's buying time. He's yep. trying, he's buying time so Luke, Leia, Han, Chewie can get, and the droids can get away. And so he he's has, just keeping it on distance. And he has no intention of winning that place alive so if you know so if you know that you're not because you know his intent even in this one he says it's one of us is gonna go it's is to take out his friend and i think that goes to another point that i think the show did truly well is it finally explained why ben in the original trilogy was so adamant that his friend was dead why he was so adamant that luke had to go out and take out vader because he didn't see vader as anakin he thought Anakin's dead. This is the this is the shell, the monster of a shell that's left of him, and Luke's probably doing a mercy to him by just putting him out of his misery. Well, and he didn't and, think that it's the friend's uh, his loved friend was in there anymore. And the way they did Vader helped with Obi Wan's a certain point of view explanation mm-hmm. to Luke. Um, doesn't help Luke, but it helped it helped us with you know him knowing that he's more machine now that that. Darth Vader did kill Anakin Skywalker because Darth Vader says as much, you know, in their duel. Uh, now yep. the, the alarm went off a long time ago. So I want to just get to, however, our last two people, let's talk about kind of, kind of some of the more sillier ones, but how about uncle Owen and Aunt Beru? Did, did we, really, did we really need, did we really need the explanation of why uncle Owen walks with a limp in episode four no did you did you catch it do do we really need to see him fall and hold his knee because you know um because the actor in you know a new hope can't remember his name right off now hand but walked with a limp did we really need that but that's just kind of for fun but it does show that again they were trying to bridge some you know gaps here um Owen and Baru, I thought, first of all, I will say one thing that hits a lot harder now because I just watched A New Hope a couple days ago was when when Luke says, you know, he said Ben Kenobi. I wonder if he means, or he said Obi-Wan Kenobi. I wonder if he means old Ben Kenobi. And when Owen and Baru look at each other, this hits so much harder. It hit hard after Revenge of the Sith, you know, but it hits harder now. And then also how Baru and Owen are kind of at odds. She's like, he needs to go. His friends are gone. He's got too much of his fight. He's, you can't, I mean, that, and that we got that a little bit of, you know, we could tell there was a difference in Owen and Baru in this Kenobi series in that where Owen's very much, no, we just need to keep him a farmer and, Baru was is more action 
So um, I thought they did a whole, I think this series did a great job at making them more valuable characters and making those scenes in the new hope hit harder. Very much. I think we, we talked about how like, they're not like sort of these cardboard cut out overbearing moon. No, you're not going to do that just because I'm a stick in the mud. And now it's like you see the rationale and the reasoning behind it, which is that they well, genuinely love Luke. But also, I excited. I don't want to lose that. The minute that Luke utters the name Obi Wan, that's when Owen Beru know that the door is open, the cat is out of the bag. You know, when Obi Wan says the future will take care of itself, you know, at the end that's what just happened here that that now becomes a pivotal moment in the hero's journey you know because he has recognized that there is this person out there whose name is obi-wan kenobi and it's like they can't protect him any longer sorry dave i stepped on you there i i was done fredo no no i agree i actually in a weird way almost wish we had gotten a bit more of owen and baru because we only get mostly Owen in episode in the first chapter, and then we get him in the last two, particularly in the finale. I, I think it allows, yes, it, we said it before, it allows us to be get a bit more complex take on two characters who have been secondary, but who play such a pivotal role. I love the, like, like I said, the ride or die nature of Aunt Peru about, okay, we got bad people coming, okay, let's get our let's get ourselves ready, we know what's going to happen, uh, we're going to protect our home. Uh, but it was also, I wish we got a bit more of their relationship with Luke, even though that that's not the story. And Fredo, really you, you, said it a, you said it a couple weeks ago, um, yeah. and the thing that really hits harder now as well is that why Owen and Baru are killed in episode four. I think that is, I think you're spot on that it wasn't, I, I think it, that was of kind of their own doing because, oh, because... Luke just mentioned Obi-Wan a couple days ago. Now the Empire's knocking on our door and yeah. get the guns. Here we go. It wasn't, you got droids. Droid. No, we don't got droids. All right, well, we'll pay, we'll get you paid back for, you know, lying to us. You're, yeah. you're, I think you're 100% correct. Yeah, it, it creates a new dynamic where you see their deaths not as accidental along Luke's journey. It's more of a sacrifice. They're willingly sacrificing themselves for the boy they raised that they helped bring up, knowing full well that at some point somebody like Riva, somebody, somebody's going to knock at the door one day looking to do him harm and that they may have to lay down their lives for him. And when the Empire comes looking for 3PO and R2, that's what they think is happening. So, you know, and in a way, they're not wrong because if they had found 3PO and R2 at the homestead, they'd all be dead, including Luke. So uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a new way of redefining that relationship that I think this show does really well for them because it gives them more agency and even in their own that final act. If that if this if the series gave us nothing else than other than that, I would say that the series is worth it because that is such an enriching thing. And this is this is really emotionally affecting for me as a parent, um, to understand that the, the that they gave it themselves up willingly. Um, to try to protect their son. Um, yeah, it gets me emotional. But I have a couple other quick fire stuff things if we want to go run for through it. Them. Go for it. Okay. Uh, we got more of the Inquisitors. Like, 
yeah, you know, like prior to this series ever starting, I think like we we all would have been like high five. You and know? there was no helicopter lightsaber. Yes, you didn't BS. have to deal with the helicopter lightsaber thing. You know, that would have made like, me sad. <laughs> we got more John Williams. John Williams came back and he gave us the Obi Wan game, which always cause for celebration. How? Yeah. Okay. I get. But however, it has been a lot of people have thought that he did the entire series and that is not the case that uh, there was a uh, let's not forget a young female composer who did majority of it john williams wrote one little bit so um not taking away anything from john williams but a lot of people thought that because he wrote that one little bit he did everything so um anyway Okay, it's it's Natalie Holt. Yeah. Let's name drop her, okay? Yes. Because again, like you said, to your point, let's let's not forget that she was involved in this. She was the the primary composer for the series. But again, John John Williams's work got in here, and the man just retired again. Uh, and you know he's getting older by the day, so it's like we should take as much John Williams as we can get. Um, negatives. Uh, ship speed and hyperspace stuff is still kind of murky it might be murkier than it's ever been i, I get you but here's yeah. again I, I explained why one of the things i think works right. but here's another thing is like there's a difference between jumping the light speed going from you know new york to la and jumping from light speed to go from new york to newark you know what i mean it's like we don't know how close to tatooine obi-wan was when he you know bolted into light speed to get to tatooine to help luke so but i had a problem that that ship had the capability to jump into hyperspace in the first place because like that was a plot point at the beginning of the episode we can't get into hyperspace and it's like again i know you're trying to protect all these people you can't fit them all on that tiny little ship but still, you got a tiny little ship with hyperspace capability, like tucked away in your hold. I mean, come on, let's let's start doing some calculus here. So, like that stuff, like yeah, yeah it was a little bit teeth gnashy for me. Um, are we stuck in the volume? Because some people complain about the effects; they work just fine for me. But some people have complained that things look constrained as a general rule as if people are in a uh, a little uh, set area which they well, are well, but they have been i mean it's mm-hmm. like all of the all of the movies that they grew up on were on a sound stage with blue screen so it the volume is just better than blue screen so it's like nothing has really yeah. changed and we're we're also assuming that the volume is like I don't know this this small little screen um so if we take the theory that the volume has its limitations and then we 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 go from that are they going to fall into this habit of just using it too much you know like that was the critique of the prequels right too much cgi too yeah. much blue screen well but then everybody makes fun of practical effects real sets it's like you can't <laughs> win you can't you really can't um i again i don't see this as any different than using blue screen green screen um 
except that it's better and the technology is only going to get better because um, mm-hmm. that's what history tells us. So I, I don't feel constrained. I mean, again, it's like how many, how many movies and shows have we watched? Well, crying out loud, you know, it's like clerks, great movie takes place in a quick, you know, quick stop, mm-hmm. you know? So it's about what story are you telling? Are you wanting to see the whole big universe or do you want the story? So, um, but I, I didn't feel constrained. That's just me. So I, I, I will say one of my, I'm sorry, Fredo, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, it's good. Uh, so I just, I didn't want to let us end without mentioning Tala, the path and also Haja, just because uh, I think it, and it's going to be, you know, we kind of saw somewhat of it in rebels. We're going to get more of it with Andor. We liked, you know, when we entered episode four, the Rebel Alliance was established and everybody kind of went, oh my God, okay, they're the Rebels and they're just there. But I love the fact that we're getting to see more of how those disparate people who are not being oppressed by the Empire are coming together. They're being drawn. There's people who are rejecting the Empire. There's people still keeping the idea of the legacy of the Jedi alive, even a great physical threat to them. But that's one of my nits. I will take the opposite side of this. That's one of my nits of this series is that there are the, the original trilogy Yoda says, when I am gone, the last of the Jedi, you will be, well, we've just seen a lifeboat with a bunch of, you know, force. Okay. So yeah, technically there are no other Jedi, but there are a lot of people who can use the force. We've just established that, you know, rebels did that as well. We also have, left a character alive who knows who obi-wan is where obi-wan is who luke is where luke is so that's one thing they left they left a big thread with that just with that and so so i i agree with you fredo but i'll also take the the other side where it's like um they just added a whole lot more force people to a universe that we were told that no nah, it's just luke and then he's got to go find you know so it, it I, I don't think it it it, it just it just kind of muddied the waters a little bit with what they had established in the original trilogy true i also i do think i mean in some ways i mean that that seems to me to point towards an eventual Riva show <laughs> if you know the idea of you know, extending that story, following that thread, because you're right, it's too big of a plot point to just linger there on touch. Hand, hand uh, to God, I thought Obi-Wan was going to slice her down I, mm-hmm. I, or Owen was going to shoot her or something that, you know, because one of these, she's too dangerous to be left alive, you know, and have that mm-hmm. let line come back from Mace Windu or something, you know, but yeah. um, I was surprised that they, they let that go. Yeah, no, I think if, if you know, if, if they wanted to pursue the idea of Reva trying to make amends, and that, that's one of those things that they love about it, because she was the one, we said it before, she was the one character who broke the cycle of trauma. Uh, so if we want to see her pursue that path, or pursue the path with the Inquisitors behind her, I'm sure they could bring everybody back for that. Uh, I would say, though, in some ways, I mean, yeah, we've, we've been kind of stuck on the line from Yoda about the last of the Jedi Luke would be, but at the same time, that's like saying, okay, all these guys are cosplayers. Oh, but these guys are 501st. Yeah, you know? no, I, I get yeah. you. I get you. Not all are the same. So 
sometimes you can end up with some dynamic where well, yeah the, the more story they tell us the more the lines out of the original trilogy are going to come back and go wait was that really as adam and as certain as they made it out to be i'm gonna say my my problem is the same i have the same problem with rebels that you know it's like we got it's not just that we have somebody who can found out that they can move a rock but we have a trained jedi in in ezra bridger running around at the same time as luke is learning about the force and we're thinking that and we've been told that luke is the last so this might i think this is another episode that we need to have here um but um because this this is this is hitting on some things here so um Dave, you have any other threads? The whole chosen one theme, too. It's like, who's the actual chosen one, you know, within the context of this story now? Because it's just all sort of, you know, um, a little less. It's a little less cut and dried than it all was when we we were watching these movies back in the 80s. Neville? (laughs) Oh, goodness. Um, Well. Well, I tell you what. What about grades, maybe? Are we going to grade this thing? Because are we going to say, you know, kind of put some definitive stamp on on this series as a whole? I, I remember, I mean, I don't want I don't want to get too hyperbolic, but I mean, I, I will say I'm not going to I'm not going to give it a grade, but it is my favorite of all the Star Wars stuff that we've gotten on Disney Plus so far. I would agree with that, but I also think it benefits from the fact that it's a completed story. I think because both Mandalorian, I mean, maybe you can say Book of Boba Fett, but that's just connecting towards Mandalorian. So I think since that story's still running, we don't know where it's going to end up. Uh, it could, you know, it could, you know, it could still come from the back and just take over and just, you know, end up being the best. But for right now, yeah, Obi Wan, it's a complete, perfectly told tale. I think that's fair, uh, a fair caveat because I, I, I got to say the thing that drives me nuts about people like trying to evaluate this series on a weekly basis is just that it's not a complete story, um, and and so a lot of people that have been, have had a negative reaction to this series have just been like, well, I didn't like that episode, so this series sucks, and then they may or may not circle back to it, and it's like, well. Look at the whole picture. Uh, looking at the whole picture, um, I got as emotional with this with this series as any Star Wars that I've gotten emotional with since Last Jedi. Easily, isn't it, isn't it funny? We, you and I, have both stumbled on saying movie when we meant yeah. series. I, I think that says something. But keep going. Yeah. yeah, there's been a lot of talk about that too. Like, would have been better as a, as a movie, and I don't want to go down that road either, especially since we're up against time. But um, got it. it's yeah, it's it's very cinematic in nature. It's a very self-contained story, um, in it. Um, it's highly emotional. Um, I think it does a fabulous job of 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 sort of tying these two trilogies together, um, and. Uh, I like honestly, if you would like put together a bullet list in January or in March of like, what do you want to see from the Obi Wan series? And I don't even know if we did an episode like that, but if we had done one like that, I think like we would have just checked everything off the list for me. Um, I got no complaints here. Uh, I I think 
probably my favorite Star Wars television since Rebels. I'm not uh, I'm not prepared to say it's above Rebels. Um, you know, Rebels, Mandalorian, Obi Wan are all pretty pretty even. I I like all three of those series quite a bit. See, and and my take, I I mean, Mandalorian would I would agree with you that Mandalorian, Rebels, and Obi Wan are pretty close, um, but Rebels and Mandalorian, and of course they have more episodes, but they had more of those. With all due respect, they had the Frog Lady episode, you know, whereas I didn't feel like in this series we had a Frog Lady episode. Everything was propelling forward. I didn't feel like we had to stop and catch our breath and look around and just have a fun episode. You know, I didn't, I didn't yeah. feel like we, we needed that. Um, so, and maybe Remember that, Aaron. what's that? Remember, yeah, I was going to say the Frog Lady episode was episode four when they broke into Fortress Inquisitorius. <laughs> That's the one that people complain about. Oh, I can't believe this episode. It's like, you got exactly what you wanted. You got to see, and I, 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 didn't, I didn't see that as, I didn't see that as the Frog Lady episode at all. I didn't see that as the, you know, so like Rebels has that, you know, I don't want to say filler episodes, but those episodes where we just kind of take a break from the main storyline that, that they don't make sense until after you watch the entire season. And even mm-hmm. then you have to kind of do some mental gymnastics to make it, you know, fit. So, I, so but so I would I, I would put I would put Obi-Wan above those two. And I, and I think to Fredo's point, it's simply we i don't know if we're in the minority necessarily but we're definitely not unanimously um in a position where star wars fans unanimously think that this series was tightly edited and there wasn't some material that could up on the editing floor um and so like for the three of us the series was better in the in a lot of respects um in that way than than like you said rebels or mandalorian but um yeah i mean those those contrasting opinions are out there and it's fair to acknowledge them um but i love i I loved this series i I, like i said i told you the other night that that last episode especially hit so hard so Anyway, well, mm-hmm. I tell you what, we are uh, we've we've rambled on probably far long enough on this. Um, so let us know what you think, um, what what questions were answered for you um, by watching Obi Wan. What uh, head scratchers do you still have? Hit us up on Twitter. Let us know. Um, but until then, I guess we'll see you next week. Everybody, say who dat? Who dat? Happy birthday, Siam. Yeah, and uh, make sure if anybody has lesions or open sores, don't go rub against them. Um, so yeah, that's just a that's just a good rule to live by, you know. So <laughs> anyway, plus um, another week of handy tips with Uncle Aaron. That's right. Don't touch open sores. All right, everybody, have a great week. We'll see you later. Makanki.